This is Mike Vomit from Intention Overdose, and you're listening to Punks and Pubs Podcast. This next one is off for a new demo of the quarantine session up now at Bandcamp. Anyway, here's Satan is bad. Welcome to the Punks and Pubs podcast. My name is Liam Bird and I am feeling like shit. My body has decided to shut down on me. Thankfully, I don't think it's COVID, so that's something positive. So I'm not going to have my typical ramble that I usually do beginning these episodes. So let's crack on with today's episode. I spoke to Mel Gagarian, a socialist Democrat who ran against an established Democrat uh, for Congress for New York's 6th District. If you're wondering why the hell are we talking to politicians, well, this week we, we've dedicated uh, a week towards politics because of the US election happening uh, on November the 3rd. If you missed the Sunday show, whereabouts I spoke to a Republican, uh, go back and check that out and uh, see what we're trying to do with this series of episodes. Uh, so as well as Mel uh, having great political knowledge, uh, Mel is also a punk through and through, playing in a hardcore band called Scarborough go check him out I really enjoyed him and uh, he brings his punk ethos into his politics as you will hear in my chat you will also hear a little bit about Mel's upbringing in a one room apartment with his mum and Nana in Queens and Mel explains how he drove them completely fucking crazy with his musical choice uh, Mel explains why he got into politics and then also explains how he fell out of love with politics when he went to Washington but then a woman called Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or a lot of people know her as AOC, inspired him to take the jump back into politics and take on his established Democrat in his area. Before we go to the interview, I want to very quickly let you know that Punks and Pubs t-shirts are now selling for just £10. If you use the promo code, I will vote, or one word. I'm not sure if you have to use capitals, but uh, yeah, it's all one word, I will vote. Uh, you can pick up your sexy shirts by heading to Punks and Pubs Etsy site. Uh, there's a link for for that in the episode description 
of this podcast or you can just google punks and pubs Etsy. you'll find us right there right let's crack on with this episode enjoy episode 65 of punks and pubs with myself and mel fyi the music you're about to hear is actually mel's band scarborough uh again link for all the music in this episode uh will be in the program description enjoy episode 65 front of me well i say in front of me down a lens in a laptop is uh, a, a man who i've uh, only just met but already i can see he's a happy-go-lucky kind of guy uh, mel how are you my friend <laughs> doing well liam thanks for having me my pleasure thank you for talking to me um uh, so we're talking because the podcast is doing a series of uh, political episodes uh because if you didn't know there's an election happening in your country i i'm a true believer that punk and politics go hand in hand um is i think it's kind of especially for britain it's how punk was born was out of factorism and and uh trying to have a voice for the working class i don't think that's probably true now but for me i still think the core element of punk is still political um so so that's why i'm kind of happy that we're talking because some people might not know that you're also in a punk band uh scarborough a punk hardcore band i was listening to it actually when i was doing your questions and uh <laughs> really enjoyed it man really did really oh, really you. dug it so people go thank check you, it out you. i listen to it on spotify but i'm sure there's more of an ethical way where actually you get paid a little bit more <laughs> for people to listen to your music um but also you're you're, you're quite deep into politics as well and we're going to touch on this in a, uh, a little later on but you ran um against an, an established democrat in your in your area of queens to become mm-hmm. uh the the congress for your area is it district uh six six yep district six um unfortunately you lost but I think there's some interesting stuff to come from that, and I'm hoping we're going to hear that you're going to have a another crack at it uh, <laughs> later on. Uh, but let's start first before we get into the whole politics. Let's start. Let's start talking a little bit about punk. So, did you grow up in Queens? Is that is that like born and bred Queens? Yeah, born and bred. Because I think we're roughly the same age. In that time, you must have grown up in like an area because Queens was like an epicenter for hip hop in the '80s. Like, was that kind of like 
the sound of the street was like in my head i i'm thinking of kind of coming to america hip-hop playing from barbershops i mean yep. is that is that factual or am i being slightly racist yeah no no it's 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 pretty accurate i mean especially because uh you know like the late 80s early 90s like um you know especially when you had like the east coast west coast like sort of gangster rap was on on the uh on the ascendancy it was very much the culture of of the city and the town so like you know being a a punk rocker in those days you really were like sort of the odd man out so so was it you were already into punk at that time you weren't kind of flirting with hip-hop because obviously oh i definitely flirted i definitely flirted with it like you couldn't you couldn't escape it you know um but there once like sort of i got to listen to 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 punk rock it was just the the end of it for me because like you know i mean i think when you're when you're a young person like you know everybody has that sort of that rebellious streak and like you know that definitely exists in 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 hip-hop especially the hip-hop of that era Mm. uh but even then it just seems so laid back to me, I guess. Uh, like it didn't have sort of that aggression that, that really, like I feel that, that the punk rock and, and hardcore really sort of touched for me. So reading your bio, from my understanding, you grew up with your mum and your, and your grandma mm-hmm. in a house. I'm going no, to one, one bedroom apartment, one bedroom apartment. <laughs> I thought I was 18. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. That's... It's interesting. It's interesting sharing a one bedroom with your mom and your grandma until you're 18. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're discovering a lot at that time. So, uh, <laughs> We won't touch on that. Uh, but like, even okay. So in that one bedroom, so that one room apartment. Then was music being played a lot? Was music part of your like your upbringing? Maybe not punk, but was 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 you still like music still a part of life? I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Because um, like you know, for a time, my uncle also lived with us, um, and he was like huge into metal. So like Metallica was always you know sort of blasting in the house because uh, you know he was a, in his early or mid twenties but when i was a little kid um so that was just sort of my 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 introduction to to music was just you know there's a lot of metal there was a you know weird freestyle like before hip-hop became a thing there's uh you know the freestyle scene and that was playing a lot in the house so like there was always it was a very musical household so would, you, would your mom like would your mom listen to the radio or would she purposely have certain artists that she would go hey mel come come listen no, it was it was definitely the radio because like the the artists that she loved were like sort of these old timey Spanish singers that there, she was never going to be able to 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 sign me on to that. <laughs> so how did you, how did you discover punk then? How how did it enter your life? I mean, it's kind of funny because you know I still find myself, even though I've gotten older, still defending Green Day, like you know thirty <laughs> or forty years later. Um, because it was that's what it was you know i mean I remember when dookie came out a friend of mine had a mix like he had burned a, i guess for the, the younger generation burned a copy onto a, a cassette tape um and and you know that those first few chords that that's what did it for me and like that kicked down the door for everything else like i went you know like where did they where did these dudes come from like what inspired them and that would what really opened up the door to to the older catalog and sort of the founders you know like ramones etc etc um and you know and as i got older you know started dabbling with um the new york hardcore scene and so it was all downhill from there <laughs> so with the new york hardcore scene then were you like getting involved like sick of it all mad ball was that like is that kind of like your jam or were you kind of a little bit more agnostic front i mean I, there's a little bit of of, of all of it right because i think for me it started with like h2o to ag front 
um, Madball. Madball at that time, it was just, it was still, it felt too close to the hip hop scene for me. Like, yep. I mean, like growing up, like listening to hip hop and metal, it was, it was, it was too reminiscent of that. Um, though I, I fucking love Madball and I, I think they've become a, a fantastic band. Um, but yeah, it was that, that my intro to, to, to hardcore was the H2O Ag front doorway yeah. that I took. So obviously from where you, where you grew up, Queens, Ramones, were kind of based there that's where they came from so when you were discovering yep. punk were you so excited like fuck these guys are on my doorstep yeah it, i mean especially because it's like um they're from forest hills like i live in kew gardens right now which is like right next door but forest hills is like where we hung, like grew up uh hanging out and it was it was like it was rad it was just like you know like this is like the the where punk rock was born and to get sort of be in that although ironically you know we spent most of our time like hanging out in the lower east side st mark's place in the city because by that point you know like it was like a bygone era and like like forest hills you wouldn't think of it as like sort of the birthplace of punk rock it just Mm -hmm. seems sort of like this upper middle class like enclave but you understand it like you 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 can see how it was born there right if you're sort of like this disaffected youth that just doesn't quite fit in growing up in this like cookie cutter world like I don't know, it was pretty rad. So you're bringing that music home into your one-room apartment. Like, how did you play that without, like, your your nana or your, your mom saying, turn that shit off, man? I mean, I drove them crazy, especially because, like, once I, I, I got into punk rock, and, you know, and I think anyone that listens to punk or plays punk gets this. You, you start reading the histories, and everybody's like, oh, it was easy. Like, none of us knew how to play. So you're like, fuck, yeah, like, I'm going to do the same shit. Like, I'm like, mom, I need a guitar. Like, you know, and like she got me, like, some shitty, like, $100 guitar and you know like i taught myself how to play a power chord and that's it like to this day like i still don't know how to fucking read music like i <laughs> i can't do shit like it's just you know you just kind of go by feel and by ear um and yeah like, like it was it, it, i drove them nuts i drove them nuts because like i like that's what i wanted to do at that age you know i'm like a little 14 year old kid i'm like I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna start a band like whatever it takes and just like playing over and over and over again like yeah i was mad but were, were they embracing it though were they like yeah you go for it you you you, like you follow yeah. your dream, yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as they, as much as they could, right? Because like they never thought that like it was going to go anywhere. So they're like, sure, we can entertain this thing. Like, like what are the odds that this this, this kid's going to stick with this for for a long time? Uh, but yeah, it didn't. It never. It was a phase that never ended. <laughs> So did you become politically minded and then discover punk or was it punk and then that made you start becoming a bit more politically minded? 
I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think that I was always kind of a dork growing up and I always had sort of an interest in, in politics and history, but it was a very sort of like, you know, the whitewashed version that you get as a, as a young person in, in school and whatever. I mean, I think that what really kicked down the door for me um, is we had a warp tour here in New York and, and this was before anti-flag really kind of was like a, a, a huge thing in the rest of the country. And, you know, a buddy of mine uh, and I were just like, you know, changing stages and in the background you just hear like fuck police fuck police fuck police brutality and we're like what the fuck is this like this sounds rad you know and you go and 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 like that set just like blew my mind and like i you know like i had heard political punk before but it it didn't really like speak to what was going on you know in my life you know the world that i was growing up in right like i mean like i think some a band like the dead kennedys which is ridiculously influential and i think you could say they're pretty political but you know that era like it, it it was like you know this bygone sort of thing and, you know, it really opened up the doors to me to sort of like, I guess you would call it leftist politics now, mm-hmm. right? Because I mean, that my introduction to Chomsky was through, you know, uh, like, you know, free reads that were at anti-flag shows and like political stuff. So like, that's sort of where those two worlds uh, came together for me. So from that, then, were you purposely then seeking out political kind of shows where you might have a, a political talker and then they'll have a, like a punk act on afterwards? Or do you go to a show and there's there's someone handing out liars, liars, flyers, <laughs> there's a Freudian slip when we're talking about politics, um, <laughs> hanging out fly, uh, flyers to, to like political rallies or, or maybe like a um, like were you, were you finding that? And then were, was that kind of like a wormhole of I want to I want to know more? Like, I just want to keep educating yeah because it's like you know you 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 wanted to become more conscious um and so like you you for me there was definitely a period where like political punk i think um was like my 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 bread and butter for for a while where especially it's like you're sort of maturing politically because it's like the only place at that time that you could really uh you know sort of there wasn't the internet not in the way that it exists today right Mm -hmm. like so so it was through the art form that you you really were exposed to these ideas and and sort of thought about the military industrial complex and sort of understood you know uh the role that capitalism played in in your in your day-to-day life in a way that was way more nefarious than 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 you would have thought otherwise um so it was it was definitely an interesting time and and trying to find in like you know local bands that were doing that uh at, at the same time right and like um, you know, I went to college in Washington, D.C., and I lived there for a little bit before I came back to New York. Um, and, you know, being there during the Bush years and like seeing, you know, all of the local acts that that, that were way more politically minded, um, I think, in the underground than than I had seen in a, in a long time was, was was really rad. And so it was a, it was a great intersection it, and it, it gave it purpose because like, you know, punk rock has always been about rebellion and, and, and sort of challenging authority. So I think it's sort of this natural marriage. But there there's it it goes beyond um you know just the rebellion right it, it, there was a path to action there was always a call to action um it was about mobilizing it was about organizing it was about taking stands and and actually doing something with it you know going beyond just the show because i think it's really easy to just kind of go and listen to this music and be into it and 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 sort of you know embracing these ideas in a vacuum but you got to be able to do something with it um and, and so th- i think that's what was kind of like sort of special about that that time in my life yeah so what was it that made you go from listening to the music to i'm going to act i'm going to publicly either protest or start um supporting a certain politician was there like a certain act that kind of triggered you and went no i need to do something i mean i you know i think that uh, you know i grew up i was like 18 or 19 when when 
uh, like 9-11 happened and then the the like you always knew I mean, people forget that before uh, Bush became president here in the U.S. Like there was always this 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 feeling that he was going to go to war with Iraq, and like that was just sort of a predetermined thing. Like if this man becomes president, we're going to war with Iraq. And then like you know, nine eleven happens, and for some people that was like a justified sort of thing. And for me, it was just like this is this is going to be sort of an excuse that's going to kick down a door of us being stuck in like some fucking war for 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 years to come. Uh, you know, and wars that we're still in today. Um, and so I think that like you know sort of coming to political maturity at that time where it was like shit like you know here you know when you look at the punk movement when you look at the shows that you're at like you know you have thousands of people that are that are, that are going here like you know this is a movement this is something that we can translate this is something that we should be able to move into action um and so i think that that really sort of you know i, I found myself at like you know a lot of the the anti-war protests at, at the time and you know you would see kids that you know um you know were at were at shows with you that that weekend before so i don't think it was just me i think that, that was just like really that 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 period where there was like a subsection of us that re- recognized that like something had changed that this was like some some turning point and that if we weren't active in trying to call out some of the things that that i think people let slide right like i mean like, i think now you see it here in the u.s with like sort of this embrace of bush now because he's not trump but like you know it kind of erases like the war crimes that happened during that administration that there was this lack of accountability and so um and i think we we're trying to sound that alarm early and uh, you know i don't i don't know that it necessarily worked but i think that it was in, it was important um you know i think that you know you had the occupy movement that, that doesn't that comes not far along after that um and, and so i see that sort of all stemming from that sort of to- turning point in history where like a lot of people in this country just like woke up to the fact that like you know we weren't this perfect thing and this perfect democracy that everybody keeps trying to to sell to everybody and that you know the punk scene seemed to have figured out a, a lot earlier um than than the rest of society here in the u.s so did you go to university in washington because you decided at that point i want to work in politics because i want to change it yeah, you know, like there, there was sort of this naivete in me that was like, you know, if 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 you can just be a wolf in sheep's clothing, um, you can you can do change. Like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to sort of, uh, you know, bend and weave and and kind of be a little less radical. But like, there's a way there. And so in 2009, I ended up running for for local city council here in New York because back then. You know, everybody's telling you, you know, if you wanted to get in politics, you have to get in line. You have to work your way up. But, but for me, my passion had always been at the federal level and, and, and sort of recognizing that the power and authority that um, our government has to be able to address some of these deeper rooted societal issues is only going to be able to come from from the top down and the bottom up. But again, my personal passion was federal. And so I was trying to work my way there. And, and you know, I found myself having to sort of tame myself a bit. And that race didn't work out either. And, you know, that I was like, you know, fuck it. Like, the, like you know, the, Obama was coming uh, and was it was doing his thing. It was like, you know, it's going to be a slow crawl to, to get to any form of justice. But it's, you know, it's better than nothing. And like, uh, you know, fuck, I left. I, so I sort of left politics and started working in the nonprofit sector and working on issues directly. I was working in the criminal justice reform sector for a bit. Um, and, and thinking that you know I could I could just apply my my my, my talents there outside of politics because politics you know it sucks and it's awful. <laughs> well, um, but oh, sorry, go no, on. no, no, go, finish your thought. Oh, and, but you know, like 2016 really changes that uh, because it was just like. When 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 Trump came to office, it was that that full realization. It's like you know, Trump is not 
uh, you know, an, an anomaly. You know, he's a natural result of like, sort of this broken uh, political and economic system that we've had. And, you know, come hell or high water, like, I don't want to just kind of sit at the sidelines. And, and, you know, I struggled a bit. Like, I waited for forever before I even decided to run for Congress again, because I, I, I sort of detested politics and the way that, the, you know, money flows and, and sort of all of the, the, the backbiting and sort of drama that happens behind the scenes. Uh, and then, you know, 2018, you have people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez that's running as an open democratic socialist wins. And it's this feeling that like something's changing, right? Like mm -hmm. there's something changing. There's a shift here in the country. The young people know what's up. Like they understand that like the sort of this capitalist framework isn't going to work. And there's sort of this energy, um, and which eventually, you know, led me to, to wake up and say, fuck it. You know, like I, we have to do something and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and run for Congress again. So it's funny you, you say AOC, because I think for her, I, I, I truly believe that she is probably the most influential politician that's happened in the past 20 years because she's essentially changed politics to show that you don't have to go through the route that is established. So my, my question was going to be to you before you, you, you spoke about her was as a person who clearly didn't come from money going to Washington, where that's a lot of people expected to work for free, very long hours, and then also support yourself. It's the same issue that we've got in the UK, where it's a lot of Etonians or, or Oxford or Cambridge graduates, and then go and work in politics, but they have to work for free. So anyone who's working class or don't have that money behind them are already at a negative. There's no way to catch up. And, and what AOC has done is she has gone, fuck that. I don't need to know that I don't need to do that. I just need to have um uh like I need to know who I am and, and just share that and let people know this is who I am, I care and then rock on. Like so for you then when you were in Washington was there an element of this is bullshit. Like I'm never going to succeed. I can't. Like is is I'm I'm it the cars are stacked against me. Oh, a thousand percent. Especially because like you know, people don't understand the mechanics of like the politics. So it's like even here in Queens, right, you have the, the local Democratic county organization that sort of picks and chooses who the winners and losers are, right? Uh, so you don't even have, like, sort of Democratic elections even at the local level, which obviously affects what happens in Washington eventually because, you know, these people stay in these careers forever. They're working their way up the career ladder, right? Like I, like I said, like, I, in 2009, I ran for city council because, like, that was just the way that everybody's in politics is telling you you have to go. Oh, you have to get in line and wait your turn. And then you can do this, that or the other. So there is that that crushing feeling that if you're not well connected, if you're not, you know, white and powerful, if you don't have money, the odds of you ever being able to fight for the things that you believe in and the people in your community that are in your station, um, you know, there isn't a, there isn't a shot for you, um, you know, and, and so you, you end up having to make these weird sacrifices to kind of suck, um, you know, it, 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 because it was if you ran as 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 left as as AOC back in 2009 for anything like you know you were written off um and you know i think that it's unfortunate that what it took for someone like her to be able to make it to office is for things to get so awful that people started waking up to it but you know progress isn't pretty i guess you know there has to be some pain in the process <laughs>
This seems we're only here to entertain A rebellion catch up fit Well I refuse to be the soundtrack to it We entertain we're steadily deep in shit Well there's something wrong inside We put it safe and enjoyed the ride You won't like this but I'm something to confide We strive for something more Than a faded sticker on a skateboard Right on your parade or out the door more. Because you ran against um, a, a congresswoman called Grace Meg. Is it is it mm-hmm. Meng? Meng, sorry, Grace yeah. Meng. Um, mm-hmm. And she had been the congresswoman for seven years, I think, for quite an established long time. And you were the yep. first person to run against her. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can only guess that it it got quite nasty. I presume it's gonna it got nasty because the Democratic Party want to be seen as like this one big tent, but you gotta be in kind of our side of the tent. Don't run like right. Don't run your mouth. Um, <laughs> how was that? Like, were, were you prepared for like kind of like you kind of spoke about the nastiness? Were you ready? Was the the fact you already ran prepared you for that? Yeah, I mean, look, I knew that that. Power is not something that just sort of seeds itself, right? Um, and and the reason I ran, and the reason that I ran against this congresswoman in particular, obviously because like she represents me, is because she sort of flew under the radar, right? Like she she's she wasn't necessarily a household name on a on a national level, and says all the right things, right? Like shows up to the community meeting and hands out the masks during the thing, but that's not what this job is about, right? Like this sort of like. Because that's that's representative of the Democratic Party, uh, the establishment today uh, as a whole, where they're very good at the symbolism and, and saying the right thing. But then when it actually comes to fighting for the policies, making the tough choices, you know, risking the potential of their own uh, reelection to take tough stances, uh, they're nowhere to be found. Um, and I wanted to bring that to light because, you know, I th- she was way more conservative than 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 pretty much the entire New York City delegation. But people didn't know that because, again, she 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 stayed sort of under the radar, um, you know, and, and didn't have a high profile, tried not to ruffle any feathers. And given that we're living in the most dangerous moment in American history, that was completely unacceptable to me. Right. I, I don't think that you can be a Democrat and take money from the weapon, the, the military industrial complex and weapon manufacturers um, and, and, and say that you're going to be independent, that you're taking money from the healthcare industry and that you actually believe in, in making sure that everybody has access to healthcare, which is ridiculous. Right. Like they're, they're playing games with it. And I could see through that because I came through politics. So when I get you know, when I see a tweet or, a, you know, a Facebook status or whatever that says I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight to make sure that we have access to affordable health care, I know that you're essentially selling bullshit, that you're saying I'm I'm fighting to maintain the status quo in which, you know, we still have privatized health care in America, that the, the poor, the indigent, people of color, those at the at the margins, working class folk um, will always have to sort of fight for the scraps to get the most basic level of, of, of health care care possible. And to me, that that was unacceptable to say, you know, at the State of the Union address, you know, in 2018 uh, or even 2019, that you stand ready to work with this president right 
this isn't just like some some guy that that oh you know we have we we have a shared common goal but different ideological approaches this man is a fascist he's an authoritarian you got to call it for what it is because when you don't you're discounting the real suffering that people that suffer under this administration the children at the border the the, the families that have been separated there the the forced hysterectomies on, on on migrants in our country in 2020 that happened on taxpayer dollars you discount all of that and you legitimize it and to me that is incredibly fucking dangerous because you want to keep your job right you don't get to do that so i you know i was ready to be you know called whatever and 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 to have you know behind the scenes you know pressure being put on groups to not support me because they have a relationship with her i knew that she sat on one of the most powerful committees in congress that controls uh appropriations and where the money's at and that it was going to make it hard you know i i there's a there's a there's a giant list of of folks that were like you know we can we, we, I support you I believe in what you're doing but you know like this is like it puts us in a really tough spot like we can't support you publicly and and that's just the reality of what it is you know a lot of people think that if you just stand for the right things and you fight for for what's right that people are going to come and stand up behind you but you know I even saw within within progressive circles that there was sort of that fear so I was prepared for that um, and and you know did the, the the best I could to just kind of stay true to what we were trying to fight for because it wasn't about myself trying to get a job it really was about this larger movement that you know continues to this day and trying to support it in in whatever way possible and to be able to use that platform to talk about issues and you know push her to the left on things because we knew that for her own survivability she was going to have to even if she was faking it uh to tack left and you know we saw her vote against the military budget after she had done it without question time and time again we saw her vote against the patriot act re-extension even though she had voted for it in the past and you know those are things that that i'm proud of we were able to get out of and you know that pressure isn't going to go away because you know th- this change that we need is still very much needed so even with like you know how it's stacked against you will you continue to push like are you going to run against her again in two years time are you going to look at different seats i mean what 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 you what are you thinking i mean you know one is we're we're going to be redistricted so that means that sort of the the boundaries of the district are going to change so i you know i i'm assuming that that i I, we would we would still be in the in the same area but i don't know um a lot of it depends on her uh you know she has a choice to make to either recognize that this isn't some fad that people aren't just you know uh using hashtags and all of this stuff because it's like this sort of this moment that these this very real suffering that she has to demonstrate that she understands it that she's not just trying to now say the right thing just because it sounds good to progressive groups or just like embrace AOC as tightly as possible so she looks like she's aligned with her like she has to come through and nothing is going to be a bigger test of that than if Joe Biden wins the presidency um, which you know who the fuck knows um, because there's you know by no means is 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 Joe Biden a progressive um, I understand whatever politics they're, they're trying to do now to win this race and that is what it is but when when the time comes you know Congress is is still the the, the lawmaking body of this of, of this nation and we're going to have to continue to fight to make sure that medicare for all becomes a reality that our criminal justice system is actually fucking just that you know we are able to abolish ice that we're able to uh you know defund the police here in, in the u.s and really reform the way that that we're investing in our communities and you know do i have a lot of faith that she's going to come through and see all of that uh the answer is no am i ready to say right now uh, i'm going to do it again uh no because you know there, there there's so much work that needs to be done and and, and we have to kind of kind of see how that goes and and i'm going to continue to be involved in in, in organizing and, and and the protest and and pushing our our leadership but 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what she does in the next year or so to, to, to demonstrate that she really understands that there is a movement in this country that is, has been ignored for too long and that it needs to be fought for and that real legislation has to come through, that you can't just sign your name to a bill, that you have to lead, you have to fight and, and demonstrate that you're, you're actively working to make this a reality for working class folk here in this country. DIY flyers, self-promoting, dealing with dickheads. Kind of world of punk has kind of set you up for politics, really. Like, because, yeah, like, did you take those elements of, of knowing the punk world and bring them into your politics and how you ran your campaign? Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, that was kind of our mentality was like, you know, we're, we're going to approach this as a DIY operation. We're not going to get, you know, the Democratic Party isn't coming to help us. We're going to have to raise every single dollar that, that we possibly can, um, you know, in, in small dollar donations. You know, we, we you have this sort of this guerrilla mindset where you have like a small crew and, you know, you're not spending thousands and thousands of dollars on like a fancy website or design. You're taking all of that mentality and you're applying it now to politics. And it's, you know, surprisingly a lot, very similar. You know, a lot of uh, our effort was and you know why i think that it was harder for us to be successful at the end was because covid came through and our entire strategy was very much about going door to door and talking to voters and we were doing a great job of that until the pandemic hit and all of a sudden you know we're, we're locked down and trying to do that um you know over the internet is just not as as effective you know that as it is to be able to have a conversation with someone who would have never voted for you but you spent you know 10 minutes talking to them about an issue they cared about and really break it down and, and, and have that connection, um, which is, you know, the, the way shows used to be put together back in the day, right? It's all that sort of uh, word of mouth and, and, and really engaging with people one-on-one. Um, and so, yeah, like having that, that DIY ethos definitely sort of carried over into the campaign and made it a lot easier for us to not collapse under the challenges that I think uh, is easy for, for a, a campaign at that level to, to fall under. I don't really know the, what like the campaign and how it played out, but did they at any point try and turn punk against you? Like, there's this punk kid. Like, we all know what punks are. Yeah, no, surprisingly not. Which, which uh, you know, is a damn shame because I would have loved to <laughs> to to go down that route. Because you know, like touring in 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 Scarborough, like you know, we we would go to like small working class towns, and, and sometimes you'd go to Trump country, um, and and that's where the thing you know they want to peg you as some crazy socialist leftist, but it's like you know it's these crazy socialist leftists. It's able to break bread with these people that because you recognize them as working class folk, you can you've been in their communities, you've had these tough conversations conversations to really understand where the fuck they came from and how they could possibly even vote for someone like Trump. Um, because, you know, they're not a, necessarily political junkies in the same way 
that you know someone in in some upper middle class suburb can be and sort of understand all the dynamics of the class struggle and all of this stuff um and so that better better equip me to be a, a member of congress not just for being able to recognize um you know the working class folks that i came up with in the hardcore scene here in new york but also being able to see what it's like in other parts of the country right because you know, even though you're just representing your your district, like your vote is still affecting the rest of the country. And, and, and you, I was able to have that perspective, um, you know, sort of going around and playing in these small towns that had been sort of decimated by decisions made in Washington and, 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 and sort of connect with those people, not as, you know, sort of this this caricature of a, of a Trump supporter or whatever, but really see them as whole people and, and, and be able to bond over the music and then be able to use that as a bridge to go, hey, you ever think that you're being sold a bill of goods and that like the real problem is like you know like this capitalist system that that has sort of funneled you here and, and that was really rad and and you know I, I was grateful for it um and yeah that, that 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 was sort of the back pocket if like if you ever try to use this against me like you're owning yourself because it's like if anything it, it's it's given me more insight into the problems that we're trying to solve so let's talk particularly about Biden and Trump. So you, you've said in the past that Donald Trump isn't is an anomaly. He's a natural result of broken politics and economic system that allowed him to, to rise. This mm-hmm. this in part uh, is part of the democratic establishment that continued to play politics as usual. So reading between, between the lines then, if, Bi- if Biden wins, you want Biden to play by new rules. What rules do you want Biden to play by? Yeah, I mean, the, the tough thing is, and I think that... Uh, in the U.S. especially, I don't know what it is about the past few decades where we've put so much stock in the presidency, right? Where I, you know, I've gotten into some tiffs with with fellow leftists who are like, "You're never going to push him left," and I'm like, "Yeah, you're probably right," but like, my goal isn't to push him left; it's to push the movement left, right? To push the members of Congress left because. If Joe Biden gets a bill on his desk that's a Medicare for all bill, right, that's supported by the majority of the Democratic uh, caucus at that point, um, he's going to sign the fucking bill. So, you know, my, my you know, I, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll keep putting pressure on, 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 on Biden. But like my 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 real focus is on continuing to organize in communities, continuing to get communities to put pressure on their immediate local officials, because they're the ones that that are going to be able to put, you know, progressive bills in front of this president's desk so at the very least it's like i see it more of harm reduction right like we got rid of trump like the work isn't over you know biden has a long fucking way to go on a lot of things like you know he's he's making little baby steps to to try to get some progressives on board i don't think that that uh true and tried progressives are really bought or sold on those promises but um you know it's it's gonna be infinitely better than what we have now right like i don't trust neoliberalism uh at all but it's not fascism and and you know to make that false equivalency i think one is ignorant it doesn't really recognize the 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 struggle of this movement in this country that goes beyond decades it didn't start in 2016 um and it and it and it turns people out of engaging it turns people out of getting it my biggest fear is that you know we have a, bu- a bunch of squishy democrats uh, you know, voters and politicians alike who who you know see the the somewhat the danger of this presidency. But what I'm what I'm afraid of is that Biden comes and they're like, great, I can go back to brunch now. Like I can tap out. You know, sort of take that 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 energy away because you know we we, we do need to build a stronger left movement here in, in the country. And I you know I don't know that we're gonna do it by force. We're gonna have to keep putting forth 
meaningful policy that's going to change material outcomes for people make that argument and show it i mean we can't hashtag our way to victory we're not going to be able to just argue our way to victory we have to win by by bringing forward these solutions that we know work let's say then that biden wins and uh, the democrats get both houses how quickly do you think the democratic party starts ripping itself apart Immediately. I mean, like, you know, what I, I see a lot. I, I have this, this sinking feeling Joe Biden wants to be seen as the, 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 the man who healed the, the rifts in this fucking country. Right. And, and you see that with like sort of this uh, outreach to Republicans to be part of his administration. And, and my fear is that November 4th, there's sort of this like forgive and forget moment. Right, where we're just going to focus on, on on bringing the country together and rebuilding, and let, let, let's not hold anyone accountable from the last administration. And that is going, to, mark my words, the biggest fucking mistake in American history. Because you know Donald Trump is an incompetent fascist. Uh, the very, it's a very, it's a very uh, real possibility that a more competent one comes down the line, right, in twenty four or twenty eight, and 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 that's what what scares me that if if he doesn't and the Democrats don't sort of hold true and go and hold people accountable, hold the administrator, the agencies accountable that create, uh, conducted human rights abuses on our watch. Uh, it, it just seems like, oh, it was just a moral play and like, you know, the, the good guys won for now. But, you know, it's a structural problem. Um, you know, the, the, Trump has uh, gutted the, the, the American bureaucracy and, and instilled sort of these, these loyalists. Trumpism doesn't go away. And if you don't take it seriously, if you don't punish those that, 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 that fucked our system, I mean, you know, granted the system was already fucked to begin with, but really took advantage of those cracks in it, uh, to turn it into this, this machinery of cruelty that, it's it's going to set you up for a bigger fall in the future, and I think the Democrats are are very good at owning themselves because of politics. I mean, you you know when when this Supreme Court nominee came up, they said they were ready to burn the fucking thing down, and today she's going to be, uh, you know, voted into as our next Supreme Court justice, and that, and that's a, a terrible fucking thing for for the LGBTQI community here in this country, uh, for 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 immigrants, for you know for women uh, in particular, and and that's a very fucking scary thing because you know they they had this big game, and it's not like they don't have procedural tools um, as outlandish and as crazy as they may have been to hold this up but you know democrats are very obsessed in this country with being seen a certain way with the optics of everything and with the next election and with the strategy like this high-minded thing instead of going oh wait you know there are people in this country that are are suffering they have poor material conditions they don't have access to health care they don't have any of these things and you know here is this this party that that wants to pretend that they that they have ideals and everything but you know they're just brute force like they the republican party in this country is it doesn't give a shit about any of that. They only care about winning and they're willing to do whatever it takes, break whatever rule it takes to do it. Um, and the Democrats don't. And it, it when and, and and they should, because you know, we're fighting for the right things. You know, we, we, we can't sort of let the other side win because it's not just winning an election. It's 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 people's lives that are on the line. And and, and I don't mean that dramatically because we've seen Hundreds of thousands of Americans die un uh, unnecessarily under this administration. We've seen, you know, refugees die in our camps. We've seen children die in our camps on our watch under an administration who does not 
give a fuck about poor brown people. Um, and that is a problem. And, and, and the Democrats need to put that aside. And I don't have faith that they that they will unless we, we kick out sort of this old the, the, this old guard. I mean, like, look, Nancy Pelosi has been a name in, in the political world for me, like my entire fucking life. Chuck Schumer, the same thing. You know, they, they look, they did what they did. I, I don't give a shit about the past. I'm what I'm concerned about is the future. So I, I it, there does come a, a point in time where it's time to pass the torch. It's time to give the next generation that knows what's up um, an ability to lead, to, to legislate, and to reform this country into something that is equitable instead of just worrying about the next election of holding on to power for the sake of power because D.C. is a fucking bubble, you know? And, and I understand why they do the things they do because they don't, they don't see that impact, you know? Like, they don't live out here like the rest of us do anymore. Um, and all they're concerned are with their sort of interpersonal dramas and, like, you know, their their status and like what they're trying to accomplish as a party versus what they should be trying to accomplish for the people. talk about kind of a more bullish side of this this election that isn't the democrats nor the republicans well i suppose it is the republicans and that's the lincoln project because they they've become like online whereabouts they've kind of doing a lot of the democratic work for them but right. they further down the line they are going to be the enemy do you see do you see the lincoln project of actually something that's quite dangerous for the democratic party and the democratic party maybe embracing them a little bit too much Oh, absolutely. Look, I think, you know, Democrats and I don't know, maybe it is a is a class thing um, because I don't I don't find that sentiment like as much in the in the working class side of things. But like this idea of like we can all come together and we're like this, they want this fucking kumbaya moment that's never happening. Like, you know, maybe that that was the case 50 years ago. Maybe that was the case, you know, 20 years ago where it was, you know, we were we, we had a shared vision of what the country was, but different ways to get there. Right. And that's sort of the mythology. And that has that's not the case anymore. Like the Republicans have shown their hands and it doesn't matter at this point if you're a fiscal conservative or, or whatever, that you just believe in, in, in fiscal conservatism or strict interpretation of the Constitution, because you know that that's a mythology. That's not what that party represents anymore. It's about, uh, you know, protecting corporate power and wealth and uh, every man for himself and survival of the fittest and abject cruelty. And so you shouldn't even associate, right? The, the, the fact that the Lincoln Project exists, they should all be fucking former Republicans if they, if they, if they wholeheartedly believe that they're fighting, you know, fascism. And, and this Democrat democratic embrace of you know these sort of middle of the road republicans and, and all that stuff like you 
it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy that, that, that doesn't work. I mean, we just saw that last week with Diane Feinstein, like, you know, hugging Lindsey Graham, the 24 hours earlier, he was being dragged for, 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 uh, you know, talking about the good old days of segregation and you got to wake up. It's not a play. This is people's lives are on the line. Um, and so I do think that the Lincoln project is going to be incredibly dangerous. And I think that this entire, you know, outreach to the Republican side of things is, is incredibly dangerous because, you know, you, you, in, in politics, you owe, you got to owe people stuff, right? Um, and it, and if there is a significant coalition of Republicans that helps Joe Biden cross the finish line, like what do you think they're going to want? Uh, you know, once he's in power, what, what like you know this idea? Like, and, and you know, we touched about it, uh, touched on it a little bit earlier. So, you know, Democrats don't have to fight in them. I mean, it's been obvious how to take down Donald Trump since the very beginning, which was like, look, this isn't a politician. You're not gonna like shame fucking his supporters. Like they don't have any shame. You have to cut him down. You know, like you have to. You know, it, 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 like Democrats are this when you're in school and you have a bully, they're the ones that like, you know, stay quiet and tell the teacher. And, and what you needed is the and I, and I know this growing up in New York, you know, it's you, you, you find that when that bully comes for you, that big tough guy, you know, you're not you're not going to use your smarts. You, you just got to clock them in the jaw really, really hard. One really good time. And they're not going to fuck with you again. Um, and the Democrats never bring that fight. You know, people like AOC do. Right. Like they're they're not afraid to speak truth to power. And that's what we need. And that's what I think the Democrats don't recognize is the world has changed. This isn't, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington anymore. This is the real world. This isn't the West Wing. And it's, it's fucking dirty. It's disgusting. And it's gross. And people's lives are on the line. And you have to do whatever it takes to fight to protect those lives. Well, we're going to start wrapping this up then. But the big question, who's going to win? Who do you think? Who's in your guts? Oh, uh, <laughs> hey, honestly, I can, look. I want to say that that it feels that that, that Biden has a chance, um, but you know, America's a fucked up place, and we learned a lot of of, of things the past few years that that I, I'm not. I'm. I don't know. I've become sort of an eternal pessimist, I guess. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't. I, I I honestly don't know. I I don't want to jinx it. Like I said, I think that that Biden has a shot. Of, of pulling this off if if things are accurate but you know i i, I don't know because like this is, i don't longer see my country as as a place where we all have a common vision of what america is supposed to be and we just have opposing ways of getting there i think that we are you know two sets of diametrically opposed peoples living under the the, the same banner and i don't know if the good guys are going to pull it off or that there are good guys anymore um, really um so we'll see i i really don't know i wish i had an answer do you think AOC will run in 24 or 28? Or if there is going to be a 24 and 28, that's, that's, that's yeah. what I'm I mean, that, that's really, that, I, you know, I, I say that jokingly whether or not there's going to be a 24, but like, look, if, if Trump wins, and, and I really hope he doesn't, I think that it, it really needs to wake people up to the realities that, um, you know, that the American era of democracy is over. Um, because, you know, you you've never had a global pandemic in the background. You've never had... Um, you know, this level of, of racial tension happening in that context, uh, you know, the economic crisis that's been spurred and made worse by by economic policy, but also by the pandemic, that you have all of sort of these systemic failures reaching their peak at the same time, and that that all of it can come crashing down 
you know, in the wake of this election is a very real fucking thing. So, you know, I, I, I think AOC is fantastic. I think she has a bright future. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't stand politicians anymore. Um, you know, I've met her, I respect her. I know the people that work with her. Uh, um, I think they're fantastic organizers and, and I, and I have hope in the way that she approaches her, her work because I see her, organizing in her community and and and, it, and it's a completely different way that politics has never been done and i don't know that it's necessarily political i do genuinely think she cares the people that work for her care and so they're doing that work of organizing their community and providing for them outside of the traditional way um so you know i i you know i i hope that washington doesn't get her um that, that she stays true to herself and that she does have a future but you know i think uh, even though we kind of joked about that, that that that's really where our focus needs to be is how do we preserve uh, democracy. How do we fight fascism? How do we fight, um, you know, the discrimination that's baked into our system? Because like we are facing threats in a way that we have never faced before, um, and I think we don't want to lull ourselves into thinking that an election is going to solve this 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 problem. Because like these systemic failures are very real, the impacts are real, and and what happens next? Um, you know, revolutions aren't made; they happen. And 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 my fear is when I look at the trajectory of history, when I look at the trajectory of what's happening in the world, our economics, our our, um, our response to this pandemic, I'm I'm very 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 nervous that uh, America is going to see something that it's never seen in its lifetime. Well, let's try and end it on a more cheery note. <laughs> 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 I mean, the only way the only way to stop that is by going to vote. So, everyone listening to this, make sure you vote, and then drag Absolutely. another five people who, who you know to go vote as well. So, let's end it with this question. Then you're going to. I don't know if you're done a bail in ballot or if you're going to go in person to vote. But for the people who are going in person to vote, what song would you recommend that they listen to when they're when they're Ooh. doing democracy? Wake the Sleeping Dragon uh, by uh, Sick of It All. That'll that'll get you fucking amped up to, to, to do the right thing. There you go. Go listen to that and, and go vote. <laughs> Please vote. Even for like it's 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 crazy, man. No, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Even as a Brit, like for me, this election is a fucking headache. Because when America fucking sneezes, the UK gets a cold and I just fear yeah. the fucking sneeze Trump is gonna give us. <laughs> anyway Mel thank you so much for talking to me pal it's been really enjoyable um, of course thanks for having me my pleasure and uh, I I hope everything works out well and um, we all get the future that we hope for but oh, yeah fucking nice <laughs> cheers Mel <laughs> alright man cheers thanks Mel Thank you so much for Mel for speaking to me and make sure you go give him a follow across social media. Uh, I believe his handle is mel.gagarian, G-A-G-A-R-I-N. Also, thank you to International Overdose for sponsoring this week's episode. Make sure you go and show them some love by also following them on social media and also click the link in the episode description of this podcast to see how you can support them by picking up maybe some merch. If you live in America... It's time to start sorting your shit out. I mean, this is the reason why we're doing this podcast. 
go to Vote Save America's voting plan website. Again, a link in the episode description. It will give you all the information you need on, uh, to help you plan and vote uh, in your area unless you've already gone and voted then good for you but now is not the time to rest in your laurels go five five of your mates and get them ready to vote as well i'll be back on sunday hopefully feeling better when we'll round up this week of political episodes by talking to the drummer of anti-flag pathetic till then plan your vote stay well and i'll talk to you soon bye-bye